Hello once again and welcome to the latest episode of PFL Pod for Life. I am your host, David Ubbin. I am here, as always, with my co-host, Joe Rexrode, the Athletic Nashville's columnist and senior writer. If you like the show, head over to the Apple Podcasting app, subscribe, give us a rating, give us a review, but only if you're going to be nice. Uh, Joe, this feels like familiar territory opening up. You know, talking about a uh, a horrendous Tennessee loss. This was how we founded our podcast. And as Tennessee, as the football season turned, we got away from that. But we're back. Uh, Tennessee tonight, uh, rough loss to, to A&M. Yeah, this is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, right off, right off the bat, my, you know, I'm a little choked up here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that... that that's a uh, that's a bad one, David. That's a bad one, and you know it's it's so disappointing for Tennessee because you know the Vols come off a really I thought impressive performance at Kansas. I mean, they're right there to the end. I, I, a lot of what I saw Saturday, I really like, especially Eve Ponds and you know the way Fulkerson battles. But I mean, they gave up twenty three offensive rebounds to a pretty bad Texas A&M team that couldn't shoot at all. And of course you get the late bomb three. That's, that's the winning basket, but this game was lost because Tennessee could not handle the defensive glass at home. And you've just, I mean, look, it's a team that's short on bigs, especially if you're mostly just going with Fulkerson out there. Uh, But you've got to do better than that. You know, your guards, Ponds, I mean, you, you know, Ponds gets three rebounds in this game. I mean, you've got to be more solid than that. That is a potentially really costly loss for Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, not to uh, not to drop the old nineteen uh, eighties uh, newspaper columnist take on you, but I, I think that the team that wanted that game more <laughs> won it. Uh, you get out rebounded. You get out rebounded by twenty five uh, boards. I mean, you're that, what, that's what you're asking for. And I, I will say. The sort of weird phantom call late uh, against John Fulkerson, a bad call. But you're at home. You're playing a team ranked uh, quadrant four team, ranked what 169 on Ken Palm. You, have, I mean, the way the schedule is getting ready to go, where you got Mississippi State, Alabama, Kentucky up. You, you just you have to win this game. Uh, I can't say that I'm floored that Tennessee lost this game. And you talked about the Kansas game. I think that's who this team is. Uh, you know, you look at them on paper. There's some pieces there, um, but you're never quite sure what you're going to get on any given night with this team. And and it's a bad loss, but uh, you know, uh, it's sort of you see this team, and and when they don't have a great shooting night, and you're going to get out rebounded like this. I mean, they can lose to certainly a lot of teams, and, and absolutely, you know, just about everybody in the SEC, save maybe Vanderbilt. And uh, I, I, you know, it's. Um, I, I'm not sure that this is going to be one that I think is, is tough to come back from uh, for sure. Yeah, I will say this, David, and, and you're right. I mean, the margin for error for this team, absolutely not big. Uh, there's no question about that. You know, uh, here and there, maybe a hot shooting night, but, you know, Jordan Bowden continues to struggle. Now he hit a huge shot late. He was over for 6 and 3, hits that tying 3, but still he's he's in a bad slump. This team does not have – enough offense to separate from many teams. But I will say that this loss, even though it is a bad loss, in that committee room, there's so much more value in the good win than there is harm in the bad loss. Um, So, you know, you look at the Tennessee schedule ahead. You've got two shots with Kentucky, two with Auburn. You've got Florida at home. 
Um, you're going to Alabama, Mississippi State next. I mean, there's plenty of opportunity, plenty of time um, for this team to get it done, to get enough. It's just that this one, you know, you just didn't want this smudge and you just wanted to add it to your total. And so now maybe you have to get one that you maybe didn't have to before. But, but you know, I still would caution anyone against burying this team. I also say, I mean, Rick Barnes has got to, to me, look at that bench a little bit and say, hey, let's, let's you know, I mean, we, we talked last week about Plavsic, and right now I'm looking really wrong on that prediction that he's going to uh, wedge himself into a major role. I mean, it's amazing how much fuss was made over this guy at this point, given how little he's playing, but I think that's something that probably needs to be explored. Yeah, I was surprised we didn't see more of him tonight. I mean, 10 minutes a game, you get beat. Even if you're not sure, you know, if how much, how effective he's going to be, I just think, uh, you know, let a guy sit and get a little steamed uh, and, and come back, whether that's Fulkerson or Pons or whoever, um, and, and let them sit and watch for a little while. Uh, before we move on to big, well, a little bit more of the big picture tournament talk, uh, Joe, we get to talk hashtag optics. Uh, I don't know if you saw this late in the game. <laughs> Uh, did you see the official, uh, Rick Barnes is sort of standing there looking on as his team sort of plays out the final seconds of a, uh, a loss, and the officials are kind of walking toward the scores uh, table and bump him on the shoulder. This isn't precisely one of those things that is nothing, but after a game like this where the fans are obviously mad about officiating and it's, you know, you take a loss and people are mad, uh, you get the uh, the old hashtag optics. What, what do you make of, of that situation? Because I can guarantee you, you know, we're talking right now on a Tuesday night, but I guarantee you this is going to be a talking point on Wednesday. Okay, I did miss this. Who, who did? Who got the bump in? Well, one of the officials. Barnes is looking completely in the opposite direction and standing there, and the official sort of bumps him. It did not look like an accident. Uh, and then they sort of start yelling at each other, and then they just kind of keep going. And then Barnes, of course follows the officials off the field, off the court uh, at the end of the game. Uh, it's it, it was an int- I, I have not seen something quite like that very often. I am hesitant to say never. I'm sure it's happened before, but I can't r- recall the last time I saw something like that. And again, like I said, I don't think this is anything, but it's going to be it's going to be something now because of the of the con- of the, uh, the the context with which it happened. Okay, luckily, I'm very fast on the trigger, so I'm watching this. <laughs> oh, gosh. What? Is that not bizarre? <laughs> so, well, it, like, he walked into him and then said, you bumped me. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> so this weird. is the old Jason kid spill the, uh, spill the coke on the floor situation. <laughs> like, very, is that not bizarre? That was weird. My goodness. Like, do people not realize that there are cameras at these games? <laughs> it's so weird. I don't know. Uh, man, I, I don't, don't know what to think. I hope Rick Barnes talks about this. Chances are he won't talk much about it, but that's, uh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, you're right. That's a good hashtag optics. Uh, yeah. and, you know, optics for SEC officials have not been great in recent times. Yeah. I mean, coming off of that uh... – uh, I mean, obviously, the, the Fulkerson trip was a weird call. Again, I think in a game like this, it's sort of, you know, you put yourself in that situation. Uh, but this is going to be, uh, I sense, a big deal. Um, but, you know, looking big picture, you, you hit on it. You know, you, coming into this game, you look at, uh, well, of course, Joe, 
I only look at the athletics bracketology. But in the event that I strayed <laughs> from beyond the athletic paywall and looked at other bracketologies, you might see that Tennessee was generally uh, within sight but on the wrong side of the bubble on just about everywhere. Uh, this loss, obviously a big one, uh, one that they're going to be penalized for when the committee starts looking at uh, looking at this. Uh what did tonight, you know, you, you talked about it a little bit, but what did tonight do for you as you look and you, you've been a little more optimistic than I have been about this team's tournament hopes, but where do you sort of stand with this team right now? <clears throat> yeah, look, I mean, first of all, you know, again, you have to keep it all relative to the rest of the field. And it is, it is to use a, a very popular cliche, a soft bubble this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of opportunity and I still think this team as constructed, if playing its best, you know, and closing out the more of these close games than it loses, is a, is an NCAA team. So I mean, like, okay, twelve and eight right now. Um, you've got some good wins. You know, this this is a bad loss certainly, um, but no, you, you look around. I mean, can you split the next two? You know, um, can you beat Arkansas and Vanderbilt at home? Can you beat Florida at home? And you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to, you know, get at least one of Auburn and or Kentucky at home. Both would be preferable. But, you know, if you go win it, you're gonna have to get some road. You know, South Carolina, Arkansas, Alabama, Mississippi State. None of these games are unwinnable for Tennessee if it plays its best. Um, no, but ultimately, you know, you're talking about eleven games left, uh, I believe. And, you know, can you win seven of them? Can you win six of them? If you win six or seven, you go into the SEC tournament absolutely with a chance um, to, to cement it in Nashville. So, you know, now that's, again, in there you need quality. But Florida would count as quality now. Obviously, Kentucky-Auburn as well and you know i mean alabama on the road that would be a really good win um you know because obviously you get more for the road wins you know arkansas is a solid team those would be solid wins home or road so you know it's i know right now it's it's going to be doom and gloom and this team is is hosed and there's no chance but far far from over Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i think uh you know ultimately tennessee just did not play well enough and did not deserve to win this game. And and uh, we'll see long-term uh, the price they pay for it. Uh, switching gears to football, as Tennessee uh, loses another assistant, um, I guess it was Monday, Kevin Scherer takes a job with the New York uh, Giants. Also on that staff, Derek Dooley, Joe Judge, the new head coach at uh, uh, the New York Football Giants. Uh, by the way, that is more fallout uh, more butterfly effect from the uh, uh, the fake pee heard around the world in the Egg Bowl. Uh, Tennessee has now been affected by this <laughs> with Kevin Scherer leaving. But um, the Vols bring in Jay Graham, uh, a former Vault, then at uh, Texas A&M. I don't know that any position coach hire is going to be a game changer. You know, Jeremy Pruitt obviously values recruiting. That can help bringing bringing Jay Graham in there. Um, David Johnson, uh, of course, had a huge impact this year uh, in Memphis. Um, but I'll tell you what I do think uh, is that you can make bad position coach hires. You could put guys in those position 
positions that are not qualified for those jobs or you're taking a chance on them. And, and you don't see Jeremy Pruitt doing that uh, much with this staff. Jay Graham pre-established uh, a nice hire. Again, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a, you see a lot more bad position coach hires than good position coach hires, I would say. I, I think this is uh, one that, that's really solid and, and, and is a nice replacement for David Johnson. But I think one of the undervalued impacts of this is, and I've talked about this a little bit on the pod, I've written about it a little bit, is, you know, the, the, the orange-blooded Tennessee folks uh, around the program, close to the program, in the facility, there's a, there's a, there's a level of, uh, I don't know if discomfort is probably too strong a word, but just the, the sense of there's a lot of Bama around here. There's a lot of Bama in the room. And I think when you get a VFL back and, and you now you got two on staff and him and T. Martin, and forgive me if I'm forgetting someone, I don't think I am. Um, at least, and certainly in the on position or on field coaches, um, but you get another VFL in there. Um, that can't hurt uh, when it comes to uh, you know just boosters and people feeling the love from the program. But uh, a very good hire um, and, and a very uh, uh, one that that I think. Tennessee can can sort of move forward seamlessly. They've got to fill a linebacker job there. I, I wrote about this a little bit today. I would not expect these staff moves to be quite as clean. I think they're going to shuffle some guys around. I don't think you, I'd be surprised if you saw Brian Niedermeyer on the defensive side of the ball come next year. Um, and we'll see if they have a, a you know some more departures post signing day. But uh, what is your main takeaway from from Tennessee bringing bringing back Jay Graham again? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point on all the Bama and, of course, Tennessee fans remember well when they had an AD who everyone thought was, <laughs> well, not everyone, but some thought he was just a spy for Alabama. So Sleeper uh, cell. <clears throat> that's right. But, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, it seems like a good hire. That's an interesting point you made. So you're saying there are more bad – position coach hires than good ones. I'd like to think about that. So I would say you can tank a position much easier than you can hire a position coach, and then all of a sudden that position is like next level. I generally, when it comes to a position, I think, you know, Will Friend is a perfect example of this. It's it's a Jimmy's and Joe's sort of situation. You give him this unit that doesn't have a lot of talent, that's got guys that are poor fits for his position, and in 2018, everyone's, we got to get Will Friend out of here. we got to get Will Friend out of here. Despite the fact that Will Friend's been successful everywhere he's gone, Jerry Pruitt thinks he's one of the two best uh, offensive line coaches in the country between uh, Sam Pittman, who is now not an offensive line coach anymore, and, and of course, uh, Will Friend. This successful everywhere um really helped kill it at, at, at colorado state uh and it was we gotta get this guy out of town we gotta get this guy out of town and i remember in camp last year you know jim cheney's working closely with the o-line oh this guy we got this guy's terrible this guy's terrible well <laughs> you get trey smith back you add wanya morris and darnell right you get some good uh, you get a healthy brandon kennedy i didn't hear much about will friend this year uh i think he's a good a good position coach that that had some rough um uh, personnel his first year. So that's kind of the point is I think you don't see a lot of position coaches that you hire them and all of a sudden this unit looks completely different. But you can see uh, – I see a lot of position coaches that you don't see the development there. You see uh, you know some, some suspicious recruiting busts and guys that don't turn out like you'd hope. And I think that, that can point to uh, a poor uh, position coach. But you look at Jay Graham's background and, and his experience and then, of course – we're going to get back into hashtag optics, Joe. 
But uh, you know, it's one thing to hire a guy who's who's fired or is looking for work, and it's another it's another uh, thing to to pull a guy away from Jimbo Fisher's staff in the SEC West. Uh, when you talk about hashtag right. optics, I like those optics. <clears throat> <laughs> Those are hashtag good optics. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, no. I mean, you're absolutely right about uh, you know the best way to you you want to coach up all these positions, but if you bring in better players to a particular position, exactly. It's mm-hmm. funny how uh, that that position coach will uh, will uh, look better. You know, I'm I'm also like like can you, do you have insight into why someone wants to join Joe Judge's staff? And Derek Dooley. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I, I don't know. Also, I... There's, a, there's an appeal. There's an appeal to get away from recruiting if you, if you don't like recruiting. I, you, know, you have a little bit more life balance, but um, yeah, that's just it's an interesting, interesting staff. Well, uh, Joe, you know, you know how closely Tennessee lo- values the relationship between the media and assistant coaches. So, in the hours upon hours <laughs> that I've spent with Kevin Scherer, you know, he just he's always expressed to me a deep a deep desire to be in the NFL. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I have not had much of a chance to talk to Kevin Scherer, but I think uh, you know that that NFL uh, opportunity. Um, is, is I'm sure uh, pretty attractive for a lot of guys. I'd have to check here. I don't believe he's coached in the NFL before. Um, but you get that opportunity. And I think Joe Judge, too, a guy that doesn't have a ton of experience outside of the Belichick and the Saban tree. Um, you know, he Joe Judge has made a lot of calls, and he has started mining some guys that he worked with at Alabama, and I think that's part of it, too. Of that he wants some of those uh, those guys that he's worked with before um, at Alabama on his staff, and, and Cher obviously fits that. That bill, um, so uh, I think that's part of it. But I'm sure, you know, there's probably a pay raise that comes with that, and and uh, you know, the concept of hey, come coach professional football in New York City is an interesting challenge. I think, um, so you can't blame him for going. I think that makes, uh, you know, I, I can't say I'm surprised. He, he was not. I will say he was not a name that you hear names all year of guys that you're like. That guy's probably out of here. That guy, they're probably making a change here or there, and it's all kind of amorphous. Things can change. I did not hear a lot um, around Shara's name, so I think this is a, a move that uh, is is probably something that was attractive. I know he had he had interviewed. Uh, I guess it was a little bit of it was a little bit ago, but um, and, and I think too the timing of the move before signing day, bailing out um, before all that stuff is, and so Tennessee's got to put another. They put a quality control analyst Jeremiah Wilson on the road recruiting this week, um, but uh, the timing you know says this is something that he's he's pretty excited about. So congrats to him. Yeah, absolutely. Hashtag Joe Judge. I mean, that's some really good alliteration on that staff with Joe Judge and Derek Dooley already. So exactly, so exactly. Keep building that. You know, on recruiting, 2020, you know, with the Jay Hardy situation in the rearview mirror for Tennessee, there's not a lot of 2020 intrigue except for Zach Evans at the moment. And for those of you who have not kept up, it's been a pretty uh, intriguing scenario. Uh, rivals and 24-7, I believe, shifted their rankings this week, um, and I think Zach Evans had fallen on both of those. Um, but he was a five-star, a top 10, top 15 recruit, signed with Georgia initially, uh, and then decided he did not want to attend Georgia. Uh, something was a little – I'm not sure exactly what happened there. But long story short, he was released from his letter of intent. So he has got to be one of the few guys in college football history to graduate high school early and then not enroll in college. He has graduated from North Shore in Houston, and he is currently figuring out his situation. He did make it to Knoxville this weekend, uh, so he made an official visit. 
And then Tennessee was hoping to catch up with him. Brian Niedermeyer last week, Niedermeyer, first of all, is his chief recruiter, so you got to like that if you're Tennessee. Um, but you are uh, Tennessee went down to Houston uh, this week and tried to make some contact, and uh, from what I understand, that was not successful. Uh, Joe, what do you, from the outside looking in, what do you make of this situation from a – you know, beyond hashtag optics, but but what uh, you know, it seems like the red flags are all over the place. But but talent is talent, and and Jeremy Pruitt has has done what he can to get talent, and you can never have too many running backs, obviously. Either. How about hashtag Cruton? Uh, <laughs> Always yeah. be Cruton. That's right. You know, uh, I am actually fine with someone like a little early retirement. You know, uh, find yourself. You know, you can have to go backpacking somewhere. Um, you know, uh, enjoy life. Now, it, this seems this is interesting because you're right. You, you can't have too much talent, and of course, Jeremy Pruitt is hot on the trail of a lot of talent. But it also, I, I feel like he's been very selective too. And I think that the the class, like this class that came in this year, you know, it just I mean, you, you're struck by a lot of these kids, and you know how impressive they are, and you know, they're mature in a lot of cases. And I don't know, you know, it's not like, I mean, you know, everyone's not the same. Every situation is the same and you can't, you know, craft everything to be exactly how you like it. But this does seem like a little bit of a, an out there kind of thing that, you know, if, if, if you're going somewhere and then, you know, someone doesn't show up or you're having trouble, you know, at some point, maybe you're like, eh, is this really worth it? But then again, if a player is that good. And you probably stick it. Well, the red flags are, are all over the place. You know, I, I spent a long time in Texas. I still have some contacts down there. And there's a lot of Zach Evans stories out there. I'll say that. And I think, uh, uh, you know, one of the more public ones, I'm not sure if Tennessee fans have heard, but, you know, so at the state championships, which are a huge event. Um, in Texas, they're usually in Arlington at AT&T Stadium. Sometimes they move them to San Antonio. Sometimes they play them at NRG, but most of the time they're in Arlington. So Houston, they're they're driving up there, and they're at the state championship game. And and uh, uh, mind you, this guy is is one of, if not the. There are people who believe he's the best prospect in Texas, um, but he's he's certainly up there. Um, so he comes with his team, and and uh, uh, you know, their team rule is basically surrender your cell phones like the night before the game, the old Turner Gill style. And Zach did not want to do that. And as a result, he was sent home from the state championship game, did not play. And from my understanding, from that moment on, I think his, his contact with his high school and, and, and those sort of things has been pretty minimal after he graduated. And, you know, he's got some trainers down there that he works with. And, and so between training and, and recruiting, that's sort of his focus right now. But it would strike me as, you know, you compare his situation to, to Eric Gray, who no one has sort of said anything, you know, remotely negative about Eric Gray. It's all, this guy's a pro, this guy's great to work with, this guy shows up every day, does everything you want. It seems like Tennessee has has made a shift toward more of those types of guys, and and this, it, you know, they must really think he's talented if they're willing. I know, you know, he's had some big programs that were interested that are are not interested anymore, and uh, you know, I think it makes some sense for them. You can't have too much talent, um, but they are also pretty loaded at running back. I'm I'm fascinated to see how this goes. If you if you're asking me, I think he does end up back at Georgia, but but Tennessee getting in the mix here late has been really really interesting to see. Hashtag. 
<laughs> I can't think of a good hashtag for that, David. But yes, that's, <laughs> you, this is right. This is right in your wheelhouse. These these t- Texas connected stories. I mean, you you know what you know. You've got all the stories from Texas. Well, there's a lot of them. It's a big state. Uh, there's only <laughs> yeah. a, there's only you know a couple dozen thousand uh, high schools, and uh, Texas is a is a big uh, a big wide place. And uh, we'll see if Tennessee wants to dip its toe uh, in the Lone Star State. Uh, but uh, mixed results with A uh, and M tonight, and and of course the Zach Evans tale. Uh, more connections between Tennessee and Texas than than usual, um, but. That will do it for this week's episode. Uh, time to wrap up for my co-host, Joe Rexroad. Again, I am David Ubbin. If you like the show, rate, subscribe, review, all that good stuff helps the show. This has been PFL. We'll see you guys again next week.